This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where every week we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, what, you never watched Enemy? Or, you still haven't seen Thelma and Louise? Or, how have you not seen Being John Malkovich? Happy Malkovich Malkovich to you all. Uh, this is How Have You Not Seen. I am your co-host, Carson Betts. And I am your other co-host, Caroline Thompson. Uh, this is a movie podcast where every week one of us brings one of our favorite movies the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. And then we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. Ah, uh, Malkovich Malkovich Malkovich. So, Caroline, let's get right yeah. into it. How have you not seen being John Malkovich? That is a really good question. Um, we don't know. I don't know. Um, this has been one of those ones that like, I don't know why these two occupy the same space in my brain. Maybe just because they're like 90s mid-budget artsy, like um, artsy yet mainstream films. But like, I feel very similarly to like this film and adaptation are two films that have like occupy a very similar space in my brain of like, Ooh, I know those are like big deals. I know those are like like important movies that people say are good. I know those are directed and written by the same two guys. Yes. Yeah. Oh, are they really? That's probably why they. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of thought you were doing a bit there for a second. I was like, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, we'll get into that in the next segment of what I know about this film. But I, I so th- that makes sense why they, um. But don't tell me who those people are because I, I will not. I'll make you guess. In a moment. Um, but yeah, I just I just I'm like, oh, yeah, those are good, important films that I should see. But also they're not, you know, you know, I mean, I don't I, I don't think either of them feels like a particularly like like pleasant thing to throw on on like a, a Thursday. Not that they're not pleasant, but, you know, like if I'm bored on a Thursday night, I'm just like, oh, I need to throw something on. I'm not like oh, being John Malkovich. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I I haven't seen it. All right. Well, then next question, of course. What do you know about being John Malkovich? Perhaps who those two guys are that I mentioned earlier. Is one of them Charlie Kaufman? Yes, yes. Okay, great. Yes. Great. Um, that makes sense in my brain. Um, that's probably why, because I really, really, really like Eternal Sunshine, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure I looked at that and was like, oh, I need to go watch those other movies. But and is it Spike Jones? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Correct. Cool. Okay. Uh-huh. So, I, so the, I, I, I do know these things clearly. Yeah. Um, um. So I know that John Malkovich is in it, mm-hmm. and this is literally a film about like people, like other human beings. Like th- this film is set in a world in which John Malkovich, the actor, exists. Yeah. Yes. Correct. <laughs> and like he is playing himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. And it's like people like crawl inside his head and take over his body. Is that right? Uh, essentially, yeah. Okay. It's kind of like, I don't, and I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I don't know if they come across some, I don't know if they get weird pagan cursed and have to be John Malkovich or if there's like a robot, if it's like an Android thing. <laughs> I don't know like how it 
where it comes from, but I do just know that the premise of this film is like, what if other people could be John Malkovich for a day? You could definitely do, I think a really funny name for a play adaptation would be called Curse to be John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I really have no idea um, what like the, the, the hard premise is, but I know it's just kind of like, people are John Malkovich for Sometimes people just be John Malkovich. You know, that that do be that way. Do be that way. Your calendar, and it's like, what do I have going on today? And it it just says being John Malkovich. (laughs) You ever think think about how every single day at least one guy do be John Malkovich? (laughs) Uh, All right. Do you know any other than Malkovich? Do you know any of the principal actors in this film? Is Amy Adams in this? No. No, she would have been way too young. No. Well, she would have been like very young, but like this is late nineties, right? This is yeah, but this is but think like Catch Me If You Can comes out in like two thousand and two, and she's basically a teenager in that. Really, is Amy Adams that young? Amy Adams is pretty young. She's like Amy Adams is forty eight. She would have been she would have been like twenty five. All right, maybe she just looked young in that movie. Yeah, Amy Adams is one of those people that I always have a hard time pinning down her age because she's been so famous for so long, and also she looks. I mean, she looks great and. I, I would not say like and th- I mean this in a completely unloaded way she I would not say that she really looks 48 yeah um not that 48 is particularly old because it no but, you know um yeah she's one of those people kind of like she's kind of like the reverse Scarlett Johansson and that I always think Scarlett Johansson is older than she is because she's been famous yeah. for so long yeah it's very um, true but yeah um I don't suppose Joaquin Phoenix is in this. No, no. I'm just thinking of the master, I guess. Um, yeah, Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman? Is Philip yeah, Seymour no. Hoffman? <laughs> what about Laura Dern? Um, we're almost, you know, Kaufman did work with Plemons in, you know, so we're getting there. Yeah. Um, no, I, no, uh, I don't know. Give me some actors. Uh, John Cusack. Okay. Freaking heard of him. Not Joan, but John. I, I, have, uh, I have heard of that man. Yes, yes. Kemachron Diaz. Her to her. Cameron Diaz. Is that Cameron what you Diaz, said? yeah. Uh-huh. I thought you said Cameron Crowe Diaz. Cameron, so I mean, mean? Cameron Diaz, my favorite Cameron Diaz role in a Cameron Crowe film. So there you go. Cameron Diaz. Weirdly, we should count this at some point. I feel like Cameron Diaz is an actor who we've talked about more than a lot of other actors on this show. I think so, too. I think we've, so, too. We've spoken about Cameron a lot. And I, well, especially, too, because we do a lot of films from this era yeah um, so she comes up a late lot and cast it as well that's true that's true like. late 90s early aughts yeah uh i i will put this for it this is maybe my favorite cameron diaz performance i hope it's I, mine too i really, I really like her mine. i really like her in this movie i have a giant have you ever seen there's something about mary Oh God! A billion years ago, oh, is that damn, like that a, been a is, really fun and interesting film to do on this show? Like, uh, I mean, look, we could probably justify it. I don't think I remember anything about that movie. Literally, when I say a million years ago, I think I probably saw it when I was nine. Yeah, Jesus Christ! And, and I'm sure I did not understand it. You know, um, let's not forget her performance in Shrek. Let's let let's let us not wow. erase Shrek, Shrek. Shrek Five. Here it comes. She might be making her return. Caroline and I were Instagram yeah, chatting about this, this like a week ago. Day. Yeah, I was like, like this would be the first Diaz film in like seven years, and then he like, and then I get like dot 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 like like the Carson uh-huh. is typing thing. I was like, no, actually, I looked it up. It'll be ten. So. It'll be a, a full decade. 
Good for her. I hope she's enjoying all of her money. Yeah. God, man, if I had that much money. Um, uh, Catherine Keener, also in this film. Oh, great. Great. Very good. Very good. Um, All right. Well, do you know anything else about this film? Mm, No, no, I do not. Before we move on, can I say something really embarrassing about this film? Yeah. So I looked up the cast and I'm looking at a picture of John Cusack. And this is very similar to when... Uh, I thought Orson Welles was the other guy in the third band. Um, you thought I, that was Joan Cusack? For the rest of my life, for for up until right now, I think I always thought pictures of John Cusack in this movie was John Malkovich. Like, I think those two people were like the other person in my, like I thought John Cusack was John Malkovich. Cusack has funny. so much more hair. <laughs> the longest time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh Lord. All right. Well, Caroline, you ready for our game this week? <laughs> I am ready for a game. Let's do it. We're gonna play my favorite game, Untitled Letterboxd Game. Uh, For those of you who have not played this game with us before, uh, Letterboxd is an app. I guess you can can log on to Letterboxd like on your laptop, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Insane. I would never. Uh, (laughs) I have done it many times. Weird. I know Letterboxd as an app. I guess you can also, if you go to (laughs) (laughs) www.letterboxd.com, is also a way you can access it. I have have never done this. Uh, But Letterboxd is a a movie-based social media app in which people uh, go on, log films that they have watched. They occasionally give those films uh, both star-based and written ratings. Uh, I have gone on Letterboxd. I have chosen this film that we're talking about this week, as well as two other movies. Um, and I have found either one star or half star ratings for those three movies. I'm going to read Caroline all three of those reviews. She is going to try and guess which of those reviews is a review for being John Malkovich. And bonus points if she can guess the other two movies that the reviews are for. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be, yes. Let's let's do it. Review number one, half star. Pontification the movie. Two hours of, quote, deep thoughts. Okay, funny idea, Charlie, but I don't care. Just imagine two people sitting in a car asking each other questions like, do you wonder if how I see blue is the same way you see blue? Okay. Review number two, also half star. Stupid, cool guy slash girl atheist know-it-all dog shit film. Strictly for people who think Radiohead is deep. Philosophically revered. Ugh, really? Hall monitor? Your little hall monitor badge is so cute. Don't you agree? If you can't handle your opinions, change your life. Just saying. Oh my God. The reviews are all really unhinged this week. They're really brutal. And then last review. Half star. This sucked shit. It was boring, which is one of the greatest sins in a movie. <laughs> Got, gotta say, I agree with that statement. It was boring. It's one of the greatest sins a film can commit. Uh, it was boring, which is one of the greatest sins in a movie. And it's just another one of those depressed white man pining over his ex-wife whose only character trait is that she's hot movies. I am not the target audience for this. Also, he looks like a rat playing that video game. I'm not sure if it was meant to be funny, but it was. Okay, so the third one is her. All right. The third the third review is for her. Uh, Could you read me the second one again? Yeah, second one is stupid, quote, girl slash, or sorry, stupid, quote, 
cool guy slash girl atheist know-it-all dog shit film strictly for people who think Radiohead is deep I philosophical revere I don't really know what that means in ter- in that sentence ugh really hall monitor your little hall monitor badge is so cute don't you agree if you can't handle your opinions change your life just say it okay hall monitor do you want to point out that in that sentence the last sentence that review the word your is spelled just y-r change your your life amazing yeah um while she's thinking i have a guess for number one but i don't want to guess until after her all right i'm just really proud of myself when i think i know these ones I think interesting because I <laughs> ironically I think any of these could be eternal sunshine of the spotless mind um <laughs> but I'm 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 trying to figure out what they mean about the hall monitor badge because I'm trying to think of a film where I know because I I love eternal sunshine I have not seen it in a couple years I don't remember there being any hall monitoring and honestly, I thought the third one was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind until you got to the part about him looking like a rat when he plays the video game. And then I remember like the weird like AR video game that they have. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that one's her. I took the whole monitor thing as like, you fucking nerd, like you goody two shoes. Okay, okay. Then to that end, I feel like the first one is too obviously this one. But hmm. okay, so I'm going to say the first one is being John Malkovich. The second one is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and the third one is her. Locking that in? I'll lock that in. Corey, what was your guess for the first one? Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. You fell into my Eternal Sunshine trap, Carolyn. Damn you, Carson. I here's the thing. It was Were none of them Eternal Sunshine? No. But it was oh, three, but it was man. three reviews that I found that I'm like, fuck, these three reviews form such a perfect Eternal Sunshine matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Corey was correct. The first one was I'm thinking of ending things. Nice. Hell yeah. Awesome, Corey. Uh, second was being John Malkovich. You were correct, though. Third was her. Okay. Okay. Which I will I, take I my also, bonus point. I also figured that the, the video game thing would be a good little tell for that. I love, I, I think about that little video game and her all the time. Oh, I know. It's, I don't it's think hysterical. any, there is no piece of media. Because I think oftentimes gamers in movies and TV get portrayed one of two ways. It's either like, fuck yeah, it's like Gerard Butler gamer where it's like, fuck yeah, military shooting, cool. Or it's like, you know, it's like a fat guy in his mom's basement and it's sad, you know, one of those. Yeah. Um, Her, I think, really captures the twin thing of playing a video game where it's like really fun and relaxing and chill but there is also something kind of deeply sad about sitting alone in the dark staring at a screen yeah 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 if you watched a video if you watch if you watch a video of what's happening on screen you're like okay this is fun this is really cool this is really interesting and if you turn the camera around 180 degrees and you just film what you look like sitting on a couch for three hours and play that as a time lapse it's kind of depressing yeah and there's oh god i just love that the physical action that he's got to do in that is the little is the little two fingers thing because it's it's just enough where you're like okay it's not a controller it's not something that we know it's a little alien to us but it's still just Kind of pathetic. Yes. Oh, it's great. I love it. Um, all right. Well, cool. Great game. Are you ready to go watch? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go watch the movie.
I wish I could do a John Malkovich impression. I would just start with that, but I really, you, you just, you just kind of, you just like overemphasize everything, right? You just really hit all of the words and there's always an equal emphasis on all of them. Like that's, that's the only way to do Malkovich. I yeah. think that's Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think you unlocked, I think you unlocked it. I okay. You okay. It. Good. You got good, there. Good, good. You have I, I, John Malkovich. <laughs> that was I okay. That thing. Are you I literally sh- being? Am I being John Malkovich? <laughs> I I did. I should say I've always had that in my back pocket because when I was in grad school, uh, a couple of friends of mine did used to. We would make a joke about John Malkovich, and we would. <laughs> the joke is just you do that. The joke is like you're John Malkovich doing some you know whatever some movie something from a TV show some play, and you just hit. Every single word I'm playing, it's master actor John Malkovich. And uh, that was kind of mean to John Malkovich. And I'm sorry, because uh, he's uh, he's a very good actor. He's a very good actor. The yeah. most theater school story I've ever heard. It, it, absolutely, 100%. Um, all right. Well, Caroline, being John Malkovich, what do you think? Her mouth is a gate. It is wide open. She's I, thinking so hard. I... I truly don't know where to begin with this one. Yeah. If we're going to be totally honest. Um, it is an interesting film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it just, what a, what a picture. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I almost feel like, I almost feel like anything I'm going to say about this is going to be kind of dumb. Oh, I don't <laughs> think that that's true. I, I, I feel as if this is a very, uh, a very specific film with very specific things on its mind and exploring very specific themes that I feel like for the most part kind of come across. And I feel like if you jive with this movie, sick. If you don't, you still kind of have to appreciate all of the good work that's going on in here. Yeah. And I kind of just feel like like i don't even know where to begin with this one it's it's a movie that because this is only the second time i've seen it and it's been a few years since i saw it for the first time but it is a movie that even upon the second watch it's one of those where like every 20 minutes you have the moment of oh this is what the movie's about now okay oh oh, so this is what we're doing okay all right and then another 20 minutes go by and you're like Oh, okay. So wait, this is what the movie is. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I almost, I almost vibe with that. Although I feel like the movie is very much like, well, once we get about 40 minutes in, once you hit the halfway point, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, this is what this movie is about. And here's how every single one of these different characters engages with that in a different way. Yeah. But like, and so we switch back and forth and it's rather radical, but um. Yeah. Do you, I'll ask you a more pointed question. Did you enjoy watching this film? (sighs) (laughs) I am going to, (laughs) I am going to say a similar thing about this film that I say about a lot of horror films. Okay. (laughs) A lot of very gruesome horror films, which is, I I, I certainly can't use the word enjoy when talking about this film because I did not enjoy watching this film (laughs) very much. However, I appreciated a lot about what this film was doing and I found it to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that overall it was good. And I feel like I am, I don't know that I would say I'm better off having seen it, but <laughs> like, 
you know, um, like I yeah. didn't really like, I didn't like this movie, but I don't dislike it. I don't think it's bad. I just feel as if, if you use this film as a counterpoint to both Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind and her, those are the the follow-up films of the writer and the director of this film. Yeah. Um, they they both do this together and they go and make those two films. Um, in in kind of that way, uh where sometimes when directors evolve or writers or whoever artists evolve their style to be a little more mainstream, a lot of times that sacrifices a lot of the stuff that they were going for. Sure. Um, a lot of it, it sacrifices a lot of things. Other times, I feel like taking the things that they are interested in and sanding off some of the edges and making them a little bit more accessible actually improves the, their work. Yeah. And so I would never say, I do not think that this film is a dry run at either of those two films. Yeah. However, I do think that for Spike Jones, this film is, I, I see why Spike Jones is interested in making this film and is also interested in making her and same thing too with charlie kaufman like i see why he's yeah. interested in writing this film and i see that the same person who is interested in writing this film is writing eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yeah and i kind of find both of those films i think if you venn diagram if you venn diagram those three films all of the places where they overlap i'm like i'm on board for and then all of the stuff that is exclusive to her and or eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i think i find all of that stuff more compelling than all of the stuff that is uh isolated to this film however i still think that this is a good film so you're saying there should have been more katherine keener romance in um, John Malkovich kind of yes i feel like this film should have been a film about how uh, all of this happens and then um, Kathleen Keener and Cameron Diaz start uh, having uh, sexual romantic awakenings and then it just becomes yeah. their movie and that's the only thing this movie is about. I'm kidding. It, I'm kidding. It, would I'm kidding. Be, it would be a lot cleaner in that way. I think it's, to me, one of the more interesting and frustrating things about this movie is Kathleen Keener's character, um, which we'll get into. But I, I do just want to say first that you kind of bring up an interesting thing, which is, um, one, a little context setting. This is, Spike Jones's first, this is his directorial feature debut. This is the first thing that he directed, which- That's pretty impressive. Highly impressive, highly impressive. I think that's very is, impressive. Is a, as, as weird and disjointed at times and kind of a odd and confusing of a movie as this can be from kind of a macro level, it is a really impressive bit of direction. Um, I have to agree with that. I have to agree with that. Uh, thing number two, Spike Jones has perhaps one of my favorite filmographies to look at on Wikipedia. Because if you look at all the movies, uh, half of them are things like being John Malkovich, you know, adaptation, her, and fully more than half of the movies that are listed on his filmography are uh, jackass movies. Because he's a producer. Really? On every, yes, because he's he was a producer on every single one of them. Yeah, he's like very good friends with the jackass guys. That is incredible. I I, I take it all back. I love this movie. Um, Spike <laughs> Jones uh, for president of the United States. Should have done more nut shots in this movie. Um, um, jackass, the jackass films are great. Have you ever seen any of the jackass films? Carson? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, great. Oh, yes, have you seen yes. the most recent one? I have not seen the most recent one, which I'm very okay. annoyed about. Mm. Uh, interesting things to do next season. Uh, uh, that would, I would love that. We should do that. Um, also, and then third thing, uh, it's something that I think about a lot with Charlie Kaufman in particular, because I know you have not seen Synecdoche, Synecdoche, New York, which is, we've we've discussed perhaps not doing that. Yet not have. yet you have not. And we've discussed, that would be an even more difficult movie to talk about. Um, 
it's something I find with Charlie Kaufman's work now that we have three movies of him, of his that are exclusively written and directed by him. I think you can really tell that he is a writer who's obviously very heady and very existential and very interested in human nature and human psychology and absurdism uh, and and just kind of coming up with an idea and then just following it to its like logical endpoint. Um, or illogical end or illogical right? well oftentimes human beings very illogical um but that was he, mostly a shit post on my part but go on <laughs> well yeah that was fine um but also he's a guy who's like i think if you compare the three movies that he directed to the movies that he wrote and had directed by other people and you you see a little bit of it in this movie i think because it's so um driven by him even early in spike jones's career he is wait, a dude who's what, like, what films did did um did he direct? Oh wait, here we go. Yeah, Synecticky, I don't know why. Uh, no, okay, I'm good. It, it's good. No, for some reason, for some reason, I went to Wikipedia and the uh, his directing credits were X'd out. I don't know. Oh. Why. I've never mm-hmm. seen that. IMDb gets worse every day. Go on. That's uh, very true. Agree. Um, but you compare, and I, I think he's a dude whose sensibilities and whose opinion of humanity is like really fucking bleak and really nihilistic, or at the very least, the kind of bits of humanity he likes to express in his own writing are the blitz that are the most bleak and nihilistic and ugly. Um, And if you look at most of the movies that he has written that were directed by other directors, I think you can really see the people taking his writing and kind of like desperately trying to steer it kind of in the way you're saying, you know, you, you see something like her, something like eternal sunshine. And there is the edges are sanded off a little bit. It's a bit more mass market. It's kind of made to appeal to a a larger crowd. Like you see them trying to steer the ship into something that can at least justifiably be kind of positive or which, you know, has a plot, which wraps itself up in a way that is at least, you know, fairly neat at the end compared to, I mean, Synecdoche is fucking unspeakable as is, you know, um, I'm thinking of ending things, you know, these movies that just end in really, really kind of horrifically bleak places. But, and I think you get a little bit of that in John Malkovich. I think that this movie ends on a, 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 there are some interesting bits of positivity at the end of this movie, but I think it ends really, really bleakly fundamentally. Well, it, I mean, it depends on which character we're looking at, right? Sure. Like, I mean, I, I almost feel like it's, I almost feel like it's not all that bleak. Um, yeah. For everyone but Cusack. Yeah, well, yeah for Cusack. Yeah, also, Cusack, it's pretty bleak, but, and but like, he kind of deserves it. Yeah, Cusack deserves the bleakness. He has gotten himself into this to one degree or another. Um, I think the... I mean, the Malkovich, Malkovich being taken. I mean, it's pretty bleak for Malkovich, too. Yeah. I would say if there's one character in this movie, you could, I think Diaz and Malkovich are the two, you know, two characters to which you can, you can basically, I think Malkovich, you're pretty much on his side the entire time. That's a, a fairly, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a pretty agreeable he's, dude. He's pretty innocent. He's, he's kind of just a guy in this movie, which is my favorite thing. The fact that he is a famous actor is almost secondary. To how much yeah. of just a fucking guy he is. Oh, absolutely. Um, Keener is a bit more difficult. Uh, all right. Do we just kind of want to talk through this, through the plot? Yes. A little bit? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Let's start. The beginning of this movie um, starts with... Puppets. Yeah, puppets. Puppets. An excellent puppet scene of puppetry. 
Yes. I am I am pretty enchanted with every bit of the puppetry in this movie. Yeah, it's well done. Um, yeah. You know, uh, puppets. I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind puppets. I prefer as well documented. I prefer Muppets. <laughs> but uh, this is beautiful. I mean, the work is beautiful. It's yeah. Yeah. It's I was going to say really, really in- incredible and technical and great. Yeah. Big time puppet gal. Um, we were then introduced to uh, Craig Shorts. You got uh, your John Cusack uh, uh, is a down on his luck puppeteer. An, an excellent phrase. <laughs> Haven't we all been there at one point? Haven't we another? all been there? This I, I this brings up a thing. I, I love it in movies, usually movies that are at least have a bit of an absurdist bent to them, where like an art form or a profession is treated as though it is something that is fairly mainstream when it is not at all, I think is always an incredible bit. Oh, yeah. Well, and it reminds me too, um, I have this joke with uh, one of my one of my writer friends uh, is just like, well, if I made this character a writer, then it's autobiographical. But if mm-hmm. I make them a insert any other art form, then it's yeah. then, well, then it's fiction. Then it's, then it's it's just about art. Yeah, it's it's an artist. It's fiction. So, yeah, yeah. it's like I, I love that Kaufman. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like puppeting as a metaphor makes maybe too much sense. For, it's uh, it's a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, for what's it, going it on makes in this maybe movie. too too much sense for what will later happen in the film. But also it I mean, yeah, it makes, you know, it is it is a thematically relevant art form to what will later happen. And it is kind of important that uh, that this character is an artist. Yeah, I, and I, I think that it's if this movie is saying anything about art again, I think it goes back to this kind of Kaufman dark reflection of the human psyche, where if this movie is saying anything about like what is an artist, like their conception of what an artist is, is essentially somebody who tries desperately to take people and mold them into something that they are not. You know, like that, that is kind of their, their conception of, of what a struggling artist is and what a starving artist is. Yes. Um, which is just so fucking dark. Uh, he is, uh, in a marriage with Cameron Diaz, um, who is, uh, I've seen this movie two times. I'm still not exact. I guess she just works in a pet store and yet she keeps most of the animals in their apartment. They have a pet monkey. They have several birds. They have cats. Um, and it's like, all right, Craig, time to fucking get a job. You can't just be an unemployed puppeteer. He has the, there's the fantastic scene early on where he's like giving his puppet show on the street. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and it, then, it, and turns, then it turns, turns weird and sexual. <laughs> and the guy punched him, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And then he walks into Cameron Diaz's work and she goes, oh, honey, again? Yeah. It's <laughs> a really great joke. This guy is so, so misunderstood. So, so ridiculous. Um, really just does not seem to be particularly self-aware. I mean, just the way they make up Cusack in this movie, that his his hair is kind of perfectly ridiculous. I Watching this movie, I, I've talked about it on this podcast, basically anytime I see a movie with Keanu Reeves in it, in the last like five years i have a moment where i'm like ah shit because i'm a man with long hair i have a moment where i go oh man i've never cut my hair so cool yes having long hair with the exact opposite of this movie yes she cues and i'm like i should cut my hair i should should shave my face yeah yeah i I can't have this look anymore 
Yeah. Gotta go, gotta go clean cut, high and tight, clean yeah. shaven. I need a flat top. Maybe that'll suits do it. Suits that fit. Suits that fit. Suits that fit are a big thing. Oh, just not wearing sneakers with a suit. <laughs> oh, yeah. horrible. Uh, he gets a job as file clerk. Um, another pretty good bit. He files things really fast because his puppeteer, he's got puppet, puppeteer fingers. Um, yes. In a in a, a building on a floor that's between two floors. Floor seven and a half. Um, early, seven and a half. Early career uh, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, busts open the elevator with a crowbar to let him off. Pretty funny. Uh, one of those like classic, you know, late 90s, early 2000s before Octavia Spencer was a, a big name actor and she was just like a yeah, person who Yeah, not even early 2000s. In... Like she, she did that through the 2000s. She had like... I mean, I, I honestly don't even know when she started, but like the, the entire late nineties, early two thousand, she yeah. would, she was this role, and uh, you know, thank God for her perseverance. I'm so glad that she uh, knew her worth and stuck with acting because, uh, son of a bitch, what a great, what a great career she's she's since had in the last decade or so. Yeah, but really, Absolutely. really insane. Uh, just one of those actors that you know, there's 15 years of cinema easy where just like. She she just pops up like this. Yeah, yeah. I because well, oh, like it, generic woman with two lines. Like, well, is it the thing that she worked for the studio? She was like a an assistant or a, a a clerk. Like, she was one of the people that like worked on sets, and so she was, you know. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe people figured out. Oh well, the camera loves her, so we can really just put her. You know. Yeah. She can be background character number five and do a really excellent job at it, no matter what we do. Okay. Um, he gets a, a, just another, uh, this is the introduction to the like real utter absurdity of this movie. Of, of It is floor seven and a half. It is half the size of normal floor. Everyone is like crawling around on their hands and knees or like ducking below the doors. Um, he gets the, Cusack gets the, um, I, I do think my favorite bit in this movie is what is her name? Uh, um, the the secretary that works at the office, who she he keeps saying his name is Craig, and she keeps being just like, I can't hear you. What are you saying? Yeah, and she's she's like convinced everybody in the universe has a speech impediment. <laughs> yeah, and it keeps going on. There's like two other points in the movie in which, well, you get the one point in the movie where she's hitting on him, and then he's like, Yeah, I'm just not interested. And she's like, I don't. What are you saying? I can't hear you. Which I think is good representation of a, a thing that does happen in life occasionally where somebody will say something and it's not even as though they said it quietly or they didn't say it at you, but it's like, it just kind of hits your ear weird and you just, it it sounds like they're speaking in a different language. But then they obviously, you know, obviously they just keep going with it and it turns into a bit, but it's really good. Um, he watches an informational video about the history of this floor and the history of the company. That the guy who built the who built the building fell in love with a little person and then built a floor for her. Yes. And then it got taken over by this company because they're trying to cut costs. Yes, because like, the overhead's the, low. The overhead's low. Yeah, it's a good joke. So let's we, let's let's stop here yeah. really quick. Yeah. Really, really quickly. Um, the whole thing with like absurdist like you know humor sentiment uh all that all that all that uh, sensibility all that fun stuff 
is that like frequently it very purposefully doesn't make any sense or mean anything you know that's a whole a whole um is that where we are is that the page we are on at this point in the movie are we on like this is all bullshit none of this means anything for the most part track like how do we feel about all of this stuff i i think that is i think that that is one of the things that to me lends the movie the quality of the thing i was talking about earlier where like every 20 minutes i i kind of go oh well the movie is this because the early half of the movie is the first half of the movie or so most of the absurdism is 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 really humorous it's really funny like there's kind of yeah. two route there's two tracks i think you can take with absurdism um, and, I, and I'm talking about absurdism kind of broadly, not like as a specific, specific, specific artistic movement, you know, not Correct. as like yeah, the yeah. avant-garde absurdists in the 1900s, yes. but like when when you use absurd absurdism and absurd elements, especially in modern like movies that are for a wide audience, I think those absurd elements, they go one of two ways. It's either meant to be so ridiculous that it's funny. Or things can, or it kind of turns Kafkaesque. Things can be so ridiculous that they are they are haunting and scary. Um, and I think one of the one of the things that this movie does is it it front loads a lot of the absurdist humor, and the back half of the movie it starts to sprinkle in bits of absurdism that are ridiculous, and you accept them because you've been kind of inoculated with the the sort of oddness of the of the beginning of the movie. But when you think about them for a second, they become really odd and scary and kind of difficult to parse. Um, you know, I think kind of the, the the head nod to that is a little later on in the film after they discover the Malkovich door, when Craig's talking to Catherine Keener and he's having the like, oh, can, you know, imagine the, you know, what this, the existence of this door, like what this implies for humanity. Like, can you think of like, the the implications of this are so are so vast like what does this mean for identity and self and and she's just like yeah yeah whatever it doesn't matter we're selling this this is a roller coaster this is an experience right um, right which that 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 sentiment right there um i find to be less absurd like yeah. i find that to be very uh you know a uh, very one to one parallel having a meaning in the real world sure um but yeah, the just the whole thing about like, just like I mean, just everything up until this point, just like like the puppetry we've we've acknowledged has like some some nice symbolic meaning, but just the whole thing about like, well, I have super dexterous fingers, so I'm a filer, and so then I go to this office that's mm-hmm. short and has this weird onboarding video, and also the woman is convincing everybody that they have spe- is gaslighting everybody into thinking they have speech impediments, and then none of this ever comes back up again. It's like. Mm-hmm anything like that's kind of where i'm just like i i get i do wonder i'm like i'm like am i missing something or is this purposefully very opaquely meaningless i think it's supposed to be pretty i don't think you're missing anything i think it's supposed to be pretty pretty opaquely meaningless okay perfect i just want to make sure i think it's i think it's the thing i said before i think it's like it's kafka-esque but the, the humor the humor kind of covers that you know it's yeah it's about like hey living a normal it, it's to it's to what i think it does and and it's not me being like this is i've you know whatever i've solved the movie but what it does for me and what i think it in terms of the the constructing the narrative i think you have all these absurd elements and and it 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 turns all the mundanity of it ridiculous 
such that like when he goes in to Malkovich, the fact that like the only time anything is very normal in this movie is like the stuff that Malkovich is doing at the beginning of the movie. It's just like, oh, he's gonna, he's just a guy eating a sandwich. He's gonna buy some towels. He's getting in a cab. And the only odd thing about that situation is that, oh yeah, well, your famous character actor, John Malkovich, and like the taxi driver is going to be like, hey, weren't you the guy in the thing? And you're like, no, not that one. Okay. But like, even that is still really, really mundane and normal. And that is such a difference from the rest, from like the world of the rest of the film that it makes all of the really mundane stuff inside of Malkovich feel kind of special. And like, it's not like a circuitous Kafka-esque half-sized office nightmare okay yeah that's what it does for me at least that's how it functions to me i don't think that you're missing anything but also maybe i'm stupid and i'm wrong yeah no no no. i mean i i'm just i'm just curious as to what what our opinions on this is because yeah also carson i just want to say how dare you share your opinions on a film on the film podcast which you co-host that's really fucked up of you um yeah (laughs) no yeah okay cool all right we can move on we can move on yeah um well so and then it it you get that like first 25-ish minute introduction to the world. And then it, it pretty early on in the film, the end of the first act is Craig's filing some shit in an office that's been kind of blocked off. He finds a door, opens it. It's a, a weird, I, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but I think it's a pretty one-to-one comparison. It's very vaginal. It looks like a birth canal. Just a sure. weird, long, yeah, kind of sticky hole. And he... <laughs> Corey, don't put that one on the Twitter. Don't do that. Uh, don't cut that. That's down. that's going straight to TikTok. Don't worry. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but he goes down the hole, falls into it, and then opens his eyes, and now he is perceiving. It's. I really. I. Th- I think the way that they they shoot it is is one really interesting because just any time a movie really convincingly shoots something specifically from a person's point of view for any length of time, it you, you can tell it's just a really difficult bit of like effect to pull off and two i think it does a good job of just really cleanly explaining okay well he's inside malkovich and he can see out of malkovich's eyes and he can kind of feel what malkovich is feeling but he's not he doesn't just become him he doesn't lose his sense of self he's still craig you still get like the voiceover of him thinking as he's inside him yes yeah which becomes very important later when they start to, you know, that boundary starts to to ease a little bit. Um, he gets shot out of Malkovich and just the side of the highway in New Jersey. A, hel- a hilarious bit. A really good bit that is funny every time it happens. Even in the more dramatic scenes in the movie, it's really fucking funny that they just get shot out yeeted out of yeah out of the sky just get like into a ditch not another hole in the ground but just they get popped out of the sky um immediately well because okay we do need to talk about this because he has met Catherine keener's character um has immediately fallen in love with her his play wants to leave his wife his his loving uh monkey owning wife cameron diaz for Catherine keener what what do you think about Catherine Keener's character? Because I find her to be very, I don't even want to say the word problematic, but I think she's one of the most interesting kind of conflicted characters in the movie. And sure, she yeah. A, she got a Best Supporting nomination for this. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that it is a, I mean, I think it's a great performance. I think it is very purposefully a pretty shallow character. I mean, I think that's kind of what, I mean, she 
she uh yeah i mean she exists uh like like you mentioned later on in the film when she finds out about this she's like great something we can monetize like perfect like the the, like this this truly transcendent truly uh unique insane existential like uh perhaps even divine experience that like Mm -hmm. no human being has ever uh has ever experienced before oh yeah yeah we can we can sell that yeah um and I mean, like, let's see, like, I mean, she, you know, she, what she wants out of this whole situation when she gets personally involved is, I mean, it is all very, very selfish. So I think yeah. that like, I don't know, like she, yeah, I mean, she's definitely a hashtag problematic character, but so yeah, is Cusack, yeah. you know? Oh, um, well, Cusack's just a villain yeah. by the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. And so like, you know, um, Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I was okay. I was just curious. I just think, yeah. you know, I mean, I just think it's 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 a very interesting bit in the movie where there again, and we've kind of talked about it, but there's no like great moral center to this thing, which is a pretty consistent aspect, I think, of of the movies that Kaufman writes. Even even something like Eternal Sunshine. It's it, it's not as though there is a character in that movie who is right, or there is a perspective which is you know, right. And I think it's it's interesting that Keener's like really self-serving it, it basically at every turn in the movie. And yet still she gets as close to a happy ending as we have in this movie. And I think that that's really kind of weird and cool and interesting. Yeah. 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 I also think it, well, let's, I mean, let's, let's go ahead. Immediately the, they start running this business. He tells Cameron Diaz about going into Malkovich. She wants to do it because I think most people would want to one, they would not believe this, but then if they did, you know, you want to, you want to see what that's about. Um, and then she comes out changed. She has a divine experience. She, she is like her first, her first thing is she's like, I think I'm a man. She, she's like, I, she basically has like a trans experience. She wants to more fully live as Malkovich. She falls in love with Catherine Keener and they immediately fall in love with each other. But the condition of that, is only when she is as Malkovich. Correct. Yeah. And this, that is kind of the first bit of, okay, well now, now this isn't just like a roller coaster experience. This is something which is fundamentally making people reflect on and changing their identities. And we are actually, you know, starting to have the kind of questions that Craig was being, you know, bringing up in the beginning of like, well, what is this? If you can live fully as somebody else for any length of time, like, what does that do to your your sense of self? You yes. Know? And also this, you know, this movie's about, this movie's also just about like, this movie to me, I think maybe more than anything else is about like how attraction is, like sexual attraction is just really weird. And you kind of, it's very unexplainable to you as you're experiencing it. It is just all, it is maybe one of the most fully just this aesthetic experiences that humans can have because it's, you know, cause like, cause you, yeah, just, you can finish your thought. Yeah. Cause you just, yeah. you get the things of like, you get all these bits of like Craig's whole thing is that he just wants to be per- perceived as attractive by Catherine Keener. He just wishes that she liked him. And like, and there's all these lines, like she even goes on a date with him. Like he convinces her to do that, but He's, she says like two times, like, I just don't think you're very attractive. And then, you know, they invite her over. They have the whole thing of like, I am in love with you, but I don't think you're attractive. But when it's you, when I see you in Malkovich's eyes, I don't know, you know, 
what that that's a very odd kind of circuitous way of getting there but like that thing is what i'm into yes yeah yeah um i think that's fair i yeah i was feeling like it's a little less specifically about sexuality though that's obviously a big part of it and yeah. more just like more just like what the fuck do mm-hmm. human beings want out of each other and how ineffable mm. a lot of that kind of is because it is that thing of like i mean you know like as this cipher malkovich exists to um cusack as like a means to a means to his own like, career ambitions uh he exists to um he exists to um diaz as like a way to be more self-fulfilled like almost Mm -hmm. as like i don't know that i necessarily want to say a role model but also like kind of a role model right like kind of like if i could embody this person if i could become this person if i could be like this person then that is actually unlocking something new about myself Mm -hmm. and with keener it's um like i want this person to view me in a certain way like yeah. it's like it's like this person viewing me is like valid like is a way of validating who and what i am and i think it's very interesting that um those are all three very different things yeah especially to especially to like how for um for the one man of those three it's very much like what can i get out of this situation mm-hmm. like like what if, if i can insert myself into the situation what do i get out of it how can i level this to my advantage where for both of the women in their own way it's um well what can i be like sure i think so, Keen, i think keener's got a got a little bit of what can i get i mean there's she she is characterized at the beginning of as wanting to make money. And I think getting with Malkovich and getting with Craig in Malkovich is a bit of a is is a road to that. Yes, but also And but then it's, it turns out to not be the thing that she actually wants at the right, end. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I'm I'm getting at is like what, sure, what sure, do they sure. eventually come to do? But even still, but even with um even in even in the, I guess, I guess the difference is because they're all like getting something out of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But like with Cusack, it is strictly material. With Cusack, it is strictly like I can use his clout, I can use his mm-hmm. connections, uh, to, I can use the fact that he has an agent, that he has name recognition, that he has this like giant penthouse in New York. Like mm-hmm. I can use that to advance me and what I am already doing. Where for both of the women, it's like I can change like i can like i can become something different yeah if that makes sense like i can like whereas cusack is i can be more what i like like i have a thing that i want to be and i can use this to get that for both of the women it's more of like a now that i am in the situation mm-hmm. i can change what i am fundamentally in some way shape or form and i don't necessarily know that that is that that is a gendered thing i think with cusack it very much is i think yeah. the other two it's it's less um you, you but, also have like dr lester and his group of of old yeah. people you know the, them wanting malkovich for eternal youth yes you know as, as you know uh i think you have a bit of 
Craig, I, I think the reasoning he gives, and I think I think you're right fundamentally, but the reasoning he gives being in Malkovich is to get keener because he wants to wants to smooch Maxine. That's you know the kind of the fundamental impetus to get him there. But there is the difference in terms of like he gets inside Malkovich, and I think it's one really funny, it's a really funny cut, and also it does say something about his character and the way he's approaching the situation that like it's not as though he just kind of blends into Malkovich. He's just like, well, I'm going to live my life as Malkovich. I'm going to kind of change in that way. It's he, he makes Malkovich be a puppeteer. He grows his hair out. He grows out the stubble. He makes him look as much like Craig as he can. He just like asserts himself into this guy and on top of him. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. Uh, So I mean, that's the, the whole middle bit of the movie is, is the love triangle drama going in and out of Malkovich, you get the, it's another bit in the movie where like, it's, I think it's great that like they just have Malkovich come on, you know, figure it out midway through. Cause that's probably what would happen in that situation. Uh, like he doesn't stay in the dark. He's not like some unwill, you know, he's not some like unknowing participant in this. I think there's a version in this movie. And I think you can almost see it kind of watching those first couple of scenes with him where like Malkovich is, more of a cameo than he is a character totally and totally. by the end of the movie he is kind of like the lead kind of the lead of the film yeah yeah um which is is a cool cool development as it as it goes on but like i mean you get the him going in the hole and you get the the, the malkovich the everyone's john malkovich dream sequence yeah which is insane is is so is so good and looks so good it's very seamless. It's you know in in the restaurant and and he, he's Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. He, everyone's saying Malkovich. All the all the words on the menu say Malkovich. There's a guy playing piano who looks like Malkovich. There's a woman singing on top of the piano who's who's John Malkovich, and she's just singing Malkovich, Malkovich over and over again. Um, and then you you get into the into the third act of the movie. Craig asserts his control over Malkovich entirely. You get that time jump. Do, do you want to point out that is not enough time for him to grow out his, grow out his hair that much? But you know, whatever. It's a movie. Maybe he got extensions. Maybe he, he got extensions. Down. Maybe he got uh, bald guy side hair extensions. Who knows? Um, <laughs> who knows? Uh, becomes a famous puppeteer. Revolutionizes the world of puppeteering. Acting is fucking over. Nobody cares about acting anymore. It's all about puppets now, baby. He does inside the actor's studio, but it's just puppets. Really good bit. Um, and Maxine is uh, pregnant, but uh, totally disenchanted with um, having chosen to be Craig Malkovich's wife. Uh, you know, just, just totally disgusted by him. And then uh, the old people who have been plotting to use Malkovich to be their next vessel of immortality for, you know, since he was a child, uh, make a plan to, to scoot Craig out. And he gets pooped out of Malkovich for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he ends up trying to inhabit Malkovich's daughter. Malkovich and Maxine's daughter, who Maxine reveals is Cameron Diaz's daughter because she got pregnant when Diaz was inside Malkovich. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very funny. But at that point in the movie, you are so accepted in the absurdity that it is a really, it's a really good turn in the plot, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, and then you know the movie ends in this very odd sort of way where Malkovich is inhabited by the group of old people, talks to Charlie Sheen about how you know now Charlie Sheen is going to be part of the next group of people that go into the next person to to also become immortal, Which totally inhabit someone's self. Very funny. Um, also very weird to think of 1999, a time in which a Charlie Sheen can't like Charlie Sheen makes sense as friends Friend of with a serious, a serious actor. actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and then yeah, and then you just get the ending of of uh, Craig is seemingly trapped inside Malkovich's daughter, unable to puppet her in the way that he puppeted Craig. And Maxine and Diaz are just a nice lesbian couple. Yeah, they seem very in love. They take their daughter yeah. to the pool. Um, they are, there is no absurdity in that last bit. Like they've tamed Diaz's hair incredibly. They are, they are portrayed as a very, very normal group of two people. Yes. Which I think is significant. Yeah, um, I, 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 would, I would have to agree. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a movie that I do not think is perfect, but I, I, I do just, the, the oddness and the brashness and the, the ballsiness of every decision, I think, is just yes, yeah, yes. I almost feel less equipped to talk about it now than I did an hour ago. <laughs> like, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I find it very interesting. Yeah, and that's like really it. I don't. Yeah. I feel like this is a film that I can read and understand, but doesn't really. There are moments which like really speak to me, but not mm. a lot. Um, it doesn't like hit you. It doesn't get on your skin. Yeah, and like I hate to yeah. be this bitch. I really hate to be this bitch. But like, at least insofar as Cusack's character is concerned, like I hate to be this bitch. But just like, just yeah. go to therapy. Like straight <laughs> up. Like, like I don't know. Like he's a very pitiable character. Yeah, but not in like a good way. No, <laughs> you know? no. So I don't know. Like it's fine. Like I, I enjoyed this fine. Um, yeah. Great. This is why I like uh, having like a first watch podcast, because sometimes one of us will watch a movie and just be like, I don't know. Uh, fuck, I just watched it. Like, oh, yeah, sometimes uh, we're, like, absolutely blown away and just like, yeah, we can't help but like, like gush about how incredible and how much meaning we pulled out of something. And other times we're just like, OK, I mean, I pressed play. Yeah. Two hours went by and then the credits rolled. And the credits rolled. Yeah. Co- Corey, did did. Did any of that make any sense to you as somebody who has not seen this movie? Um, Did that sound like total nonsense? I It made me want to watch it a hundred times. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, and listener, uh, sometimes this happens where they'll, they'll, we'll have to record before I get a chance to catch something. And this is the most confused, but like absolutely endlessly fascinating, fascinated yeah. Ben. For me, it was when um, Cameron Diaz got pregnant while inside John Malkovich or something. Someone said something to that effect. Sort yes. Of. Cameron Diaz was puppeting John Malkovich's body and slept with Catherine Keener. And then Catherine Keener got pregnant with a child that one would assume is genetically John yeah. Malkovich's, but mentally Diaz's. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Is no, there, no. Is there like is I don't know. Like, is is it just Malkovich's kid because uh, because it it probably has 50% of his genetics or or if you puppet someone else's body and impregnate somebody do they somehow receive part of your spiritual aura well that's oh. the, the, the 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 classic the age question. question yeah 
Well, it is, and it's to risk getting sort of uh, cinema sinsy with it, but it is it is one of the fun things to think about at the end of the movie, where you're like, "Damn, if the old people are inside Malkovich and they want to just pilot Malkovich's daughter next, why not keep custody of the daughter if you are genetically the parent of the daughter, or is it like I?" I don't know. I love it's it's vibes. It's vibes. I think that's a half a layer deeper than anything like this is meant to be. Oh, it's absolutely. It's it's not a. It's it's a movie which I think it is. It is a bit of a magic trick that it manages to pull off so many weird diversions in its own plot and not get stuck down in any of the plot. And it base and and you get to. I said it before, but you get to Catherine Keener being like, the baby's yours. You were inside Malkovich when it happens. And you watch the movie and you're not just like, that's fucking weird. You're like, oh, all right. Yeah, um, it is a I film just... that is shockingly not up its own ass. Yeah. Like, like astoundingly not up its own ass. Like, yeah. I feel like it would be so easy for this film to have, you know, a, a, a nice, a nice, um, sheen of actually this is the smartest thing you've ever heard mm-hmm. um and almost this like way of like the characters like having to like almost like speak down to the audience to like gauge uh or to like import uh or impart uh how important all of this stuff is but really like they play it very very straight and it is one of those things where frequently in this film i'm like this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but i know that cameron diaz is really feeling it so i'm just gonna roll with it like it's a very like sentimental film in that way um and so like that is one thing that is like very much to its credit there are a lot of films that feel like they think you're not gonna get it and so they have to like really hammer home why things are like important and interesting and cool but like this film really doesn't um and i i i i respect that Uh, carson i am curious along those lines i feel like i um i'm thinking of ending things i I was just thinking that that, takes that idea too far it's like it takes it takes we're not going to explain this to you so far that you're like what are you fucking stop wasting my time I- i'm thinking of ending things as a movie i have i think i've said it in this podcast before it is it was absolutely my movie of the year in 2020 partially i think i and i love that movie and i still do i kind of never want to watch it again but i do love that movie um partially because it was the only movie i saw that like new movie i saw that year that was benefited by being a movie that I watched alone on my couch. Sure. And not seeing in a theater with a lot of other people. Um, I'm thinking of anything. This is also a movie that while I personally think I have a really good understanding of what that movie is about and what Kaufman is trying to say. And the, I think that's a movie that's way also just way less about its plot minutia because there is really no plot to that movie and more just about this is vibes. This is like about a guy. This is just kind of we're just kind of going to iterate on a theme and just explore with like sight and sound and pictures and and music for a while that it is about like, you know, growth and change and plot development. But it is also a movie that I, I kind of said this at the beginning. It's Charlie Kaufman unleashed. It's it's all of his is you know 
worst or best instincts, depending on your your point of view, just completely unfettered by like another person being like, whoa, 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 calm down. Yeah, it, it's it's just a hundred percent like, you know, inter intertextual and intermedia references to other things. It's basically plotless. It is characters that are difficult to track like in character growth that is difficult to track throughout the point because it's like supposed to be yeah and it, yeah it's like it's a movie that's supposed to be frustrating and difficult and like tough to grapple with and i love that but i also really understand if other people just fucking hate it because like yeah of course yeah it's it's a movie that is daring you on every every second you're watching it to be like isn't this unpleasant isn't this weird like doesn't this doesn't this confuse you and make you feel like a like a shitty like a shitty stupid idiot like yeah yeah it's great i love that movie um john malkovich john malkovich is uh i like it i i think i like every i like every other spike jones movie more than it i think he only gets better and better yeah i like just about every other charlie kaufman written or directed movie a little bit better on it but as a you know, these two guys coming together and working on a thing. I think it's really fascinating and really unique. I agree. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't enjoy watching it, though. Yeah, certainly <laughs> not. I was intrigued while watching it. I was yeah, engaged yeah. while watching it, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, is that is that being John Malkovich, Carson? I think, I think so. I think that that been? was that was we were John Malkovich. Yeah, we had been John Malkovich. We have been John Malkovich, but we are the John Malkovich Millers. We yeah. are the John Malkoviches. Your we are the granddaughters of the Johns <laughs> Malkoviches. Your John Malkoviches. They didn't burn. If you like what you hear, please be sure. <laughs> Uh, uh, if you like what you hear please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts leaving a review also really helps out the visibility of the show follow us on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok all at hhyns pod very special thank you to our newest patrons if you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content head over to our patreon at patreon.com slash hhyns pod Corey, I know that we all uh, have our background in theater, but I frequently forget that you have um, a very strong background in improv comedy. Uh, and <laughs> until I frequently forget that because you're you're so uh, focused on musical theater. Yeah. Um, the, and then you come in with a with a piece of pitch perfect comedic timing. Like <laughs> if you like what you hear. <laughs> I contain uh, multitudes. I, I had that exact same thought when we were playing cyberpunk on my birthday. Yes. We're like midway through. I was like, oh shit, yeah, Corey's a, an incredible improviser. I forgot. Like, hell yeah. You're uh, too kind. You're too uh, kind. Uh, so yeah, everybody go check out our Patreon. Honestly, I just, like, I know that it came out like a minute ago, but I just listened to our commentary on Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe my favorite thing we've ever recorded. I kind oh, it's so of good. agree. I kind of agree. I re- I took a walk and listened to it because it was like, oh, that's going to be like nonsense, right? Like that's that's going to be maybe the stupidest thing we've ever recorded. Yeah, I think it's good. 
Yeah. So if you are listening to this, I highly, 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 not only do I recommend, but I would so, 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 so appreciate it if you um, went over to patreon.com slash pod and checked out what we had over there, because uh, we are about to record our mm-hmm. next one right after this, which is, um, we are going to, be, going to be starting a little series on the alien films. Mm-hmm. Um, the first four, the quadrilogy, if you will, a very real thing that uh, was not made up in a boardroom for the release of those Blu-rays. Well, they, I mean, it's, Ripley has that line at the end where she says, I got you, you son of a bitch, until the next chapter in the quadrilogy. That's true. That's true. Yeah, she says it, so... Yeah, um, she she you have seen Alien Three? Yes, you have. We watched. Yes, it. I watched yeah. it with you. She, yeah, <laughs> she, she throws herself into the lava pit, <laughs> and um, she says, "Until the last chapter." And, in the yes, and then the person who we are unsure if he is actually uh, <laughs> if he is actually Bishop or not, uh, you know, he looks down and says. She has no idea. She's only in the third chapter of a quadrilogy. And then it cuts to directed by David Fincher. There's the deleted scene where Newt dies in Ripley's arms. And she says, fourth chapter in the quadrilogy. (laughs) Well, so that's what we're doing over on Patreon. Um, Aliens will be dropping on the main feed because we have Mm -hmm. a very special guest coming on the show. um, Who who has has not not seen seen Aliens. Aliens. So we'll be doing that one over here on main feed, but we'll we'll be doing Alien, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection over on Patreon. So, well, that is what we are doing over on our Patreon feed. Carson, do you want to know what you will be watching next week on our main feed? I would love to. Uh, we will be checking out uh, the Al Pacino film directed by Sidley, Sidney Lumet. We will be watching Dog Day Afternoon, which oh. you have not seen. I have not. No, you have not. So I have not. We will catch you all next week when we talk Dog Day Afternoon. Mm-hmm.